This is Fresh Ed, a weekly podcast that makes complex ideas in educational research easily understood. I'm your host, Will Brem. Today, we rethink technical and vocational education and training. Instead of looking at it from a human capital approach, my guest, Lisa Wheelahan, looks at it from a productive capabilities perspective. Well, we've actually used the word productive capabilities to try and actually define and distinguish um, what we mean by capabilities. So by productive capabilities, we mean a form of uh, TVET that allows people to develop the knowledge, skills and attributes they need to live a life they have reason to value, where the emphasis is on human flourishing. Together with Gavin Moody and Eric Levine, Lisa Wheelahan has recently co-written a new report for Education International entitled Technical and Vocational Education and Training as a Framework for Social Justice, Analysis and Evidence from World Case Studies. In that report, we focused on eight case studies, and we tried to take one lesson from each case study about what TVET should be like or what TVET needs to put together a understandable and comprehensible uh, policy framework. But for me, the main thing is to say, you can't do this unless you have strong public TVET institutions. So, So that's how I translate it into policy, is to talk about the role of the public institution and to talk about the role that public institutions play in local, regional, economic, social and cultural development. Lisa Wheelahan is Professor and William G. Davis Chair in Community College Leadership at the Ontario Institute for Education Studies at the University of Toronto. Lisa Wheelahan, welcome to Fresh Ed. Thank you. So you have recently put out a new publication, um, and you begin by talking a lot about the limitations of human capital theory. In your mind, what are those limitations? There are many limitations to human capital theory. The human capital theory has been the orthodoxy underpinning education from at least the 1980s, where the point and purpose of education was narrowed from what it was, which was preparing people to be citizens in their communities and in society, to producing the labour needed for the workforce. So education was subordinated to microeconomic reforms and needs. And in that process, we lost a lot. There is a conception in human capital theory that if you invest in specific education that will lead to specific skills, you will get greater productivity and a higher GDP. That just doesn't work. Mm. I mean, even in its own terms, human capital theory doesn't work. So even if we just look at it within its own parameters, we can see that that it doesn't work in its own terms. For example, if we have a look at what happens when people do qualifications at college or university and then go and get jobs, most people don't work in the jobs associated with their qualifications. Mm. Most people work in a different field. You get a tight match between jobs and um, qualifications in regulated fields. um, Such as? Nursing, law, engineering where you can't work in those fields unless you've got that qualification. But if I did like a degree in international relations, I would end up in all sorts of professions. Exactly, exactly. Um, And so one of the problems that we have, particularly in the college sector, which is where our report is focused, our our report is focused on TVET, technical and vocational education and training. And that takes different forms in different countries and in 
Canada, that means the college sector. In Australia, that means technical and vocational, uh, technical and further education. Right. In the US, it means the community college sector. Now, in some countries, it can include senior school, like in Germany and in many of the Northern European countries. And in other countries, it's post school. And in some countries, it's both. Oh, wow. So for TVET, human capital theory is a particular problem mm-hmm. um, because the p- point and purpose of TVET, as it's conceived in policy, is to prepare people for specific jobs. Right, so it would actually be very much connected to human capital theory. It's driven by human capital yeah. theory. And so the the whole idea is that, and, particularly, and, and this particularly underpins competency-based training, which is the model of curriculum in many countries in the world, which is particularly problematic because the whole idea is with competency-based training, what we'll do is we'll look at a job, we'll break it down into its unit tasks and we'll teach people how to do those things. Very narrow conception of what education should be. Yeah. I mean, I always wonder, like, what happens in the future when there's different market, like labor markets and different jobs that people need to do? And Oh, exactly right. Yeah. I mean, and it's, and it's even more stupid because people don't actually end up working in those jobs. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, so the Even whole- in Tibet. Even in TVET, particularly in TVET, right? Oh. Okay, particularly. So in Australia and Canada, which are the two countries where, I've, where, where I personally have looked at the data, just over half, um, well, in, in Australia, only 33% of graduates from vocational education and training work in the jobs associated with their qualification, 33%. Oh, my gosh. Okay, and this is a tightly de- defined and scripted commi- uh, competency-based training model right. curriculum under, that underpins that sector. Wow, that's actually really surprising. I mean, I, I'm, I feel actually quite um, ignorant here about that. Because, well, people are usually a bit shocked yeah. um, by that. And, and in Canada, it's not quite as bad, um, I think, but it's still more than half don't end up working in jobs associated with and the And why is that? And the reason that's the case is because... When people, because what happens is in in, those, in countries like Australia, England, Canada, the, the US, in the anglophone liberal market economies, what happens is that the employers chuck everyone in a sieve as part of the selection process. They give the sieve a good shake, um, and anyone who doesn't have a degree falls through, and the only people who are left are are people with degrees. And so what employers do is they use the level of the qualification as a proxy for the kinds of knowledge and skills and attributes that they want. Now, they might say, okay, we'll have uh, someone who's got maths as part of their degree, but it doesn't have to be a specific Mm. degree. You know, or we might want someone who's got an insight into science or something like that but doesn't have to be something specific. So they, they use the level of the qualification as the proxy. So that's why... Not the skills you learn no, within that's that right. degree. That's right. right. And so and so that's the, the false premise of right. human capital theory, you know, the, the idea mm. that you invest in specific skills in order to advance your position mm. um, in the labour market. It, I mean, the, the reality is people don't end up working in those jobs. Right. And so this is that big... De- I mean, uh, when human capital theory... I mean, you know, when it was being sort of popularized, let's say yeah. in the sixties and the seventies, yeah, there was a counter argument, at, even at that time. Yeah. You know, I, well, I think it's called signaling theory. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. so, you know, it is yeah. more about the the degree signals yeah. to the employer, just what you were saying. Yeah. And yeah. so now, you know, here we are, forty, fifty years later. It's like, 
this is now what we're realizing again. <laughs> Absolutely. And so the whole problem of skills mismatches is not actually the fault of education. Mm. So education, particularly vocational education, gets demonized for not producing the right kind of skills or people with the right kind of skills. And in actual fact, the reason why we have skills mismatches is because of the way in which the labour market uses people with qualifications and the way in which employers select people with, you know, yeah. uh, with qualifications. And so the, the problems about skills mismatches are actually being driven by the labour market and less so by education. Right, right. Exactly. And that's a fundamental issue that we've got to get right um, for people to understand. Otherwise, what we do, what happens is we get a lot of pressure, um, particularly in TVET, to try and screw qualifications even more tightly right. to the labour market, even more tightly to specific jobs. And our argument is that if you do that, um, if you screw things down more tightly, you're actually going to cut off students' options rather than increase them. Right. You're going to make it harder for students to get jobs outside of that area when they can't get jobs in that area anyway. Yeah. You know, so, so that's why we're arguing that we need a broader conception of qualifications and the role and purpose of education. So what would that broader conception look like in your opinion? So we think that the broader conception of education needs to actually start with what kind of person are we trying to produce in society. Mm. And in TVET, the general assumption is that you're producing a worker who is going to be supervised by someone else, you know, so as someone who doesn't necessarily have um, the level of independence and agency in their own work. We think that's a deeply flawed conception of what a human yeah. being is. And so what we argue is that we need a broader conception of education to reflect the fact that the purpose of education is to produce someone who can live a life they have reason to value, yeah. who can support their families and communities, who can be, um, get jobs where they can contribute to the development of their profession and occupation, mm. who can be creative at work. And that's why we've used the capabilities approach um, as an alternative conceptual framing um, to human capital theory. So and so what does that look like, human capabilities, in, in the TVET world that you're looking at? Well, we've actually used the word productive capabilities to try and mm -hmm. actually um, define and distinguish um, what we mean by by capabilities. So by productive capabilities, we mean a form of uh, TVET that allows people to develop the knowledge, skills and attributes they need to live a life they have reason to value, where the emphasis is on human flourishing. Mm. Now, obviously, one's capacity um, to, work, to get a job is, is a key and intrinsic part of that because most people spend most of their time actually at work. Yeah. Um, and so that's a key part. But the emphasis in human capital theory is on human flourishing. And the whole notion of the capability approach is underpinned by social justice because the, it, the idea that people should have the same sorts of opportunities to make choices about how they will live. Yeah. And so it's all about e equality of opportunity and outcome, not equality of resources. That's a key and important mm -hmm. difference. It's about equality of opportunity. And the realisation of opportunities, the capacity to make choices, rests upon social, cultural, economic and technological resources. 
So you can't conceive of capabilities without saying, what are the social arrangements that people can use to make choices that, about how they want to live their lives? So it would have to be contextualised. Yes, yes, absolutely. It has to be contextualised. And so it's not just about the individual, right? right? It's about the individual in their community and in their society. Yeah. And that's why TVET institutions and TVET teachers matter so much because what we think is that TVET, public TVET institutions are the key local actors in their communities mm -hmm. that help people to live, to be able to develop the knowledge and skills that they need to live a life they want to lead in their community and to contribute to their community. Mm -hmm. And we think that TVET institutions have to be resourced to do this and they have to be trusted to do this. So historically what we've had with TVET institutions is they're not trusted, apart from some systems in Northern Europe which are a bit different. They have their own issues but it's not so much of a problem. But historically TVET institutions are not trusted. Why not? Um, it comes from human capital theory again, um, you know, where this notion that public institutions are subject to uh, producer capture, um, where the people who work there will work in their own interests and not in the interests of uh, of their customers. Right. So it's, it's all about self-interest yep. or rational humans and and our self-interests make us this That's rational right. human. And that we will only act in our, in, in yeah. our own interests. Which is not, defined by an economic sort of that, more money, more a higher wage or that, whatever it is. That's right. And yeah. so the policy in the 80s um, and, and subsequently to that has been that public TV institutions have to be disciplined by um, the market. And that the, the point of all this is to make them more responsive, more entrepreneurial, more hungry, um, so that they'll respond to customers' demands. Mm. And so what that's led to in many systems, and particularly, um, I mean, one, one case that I know the most about, which is Australia, because I am um, from Australia, but also we did a case study on Australia, is that when you have a market-driven approach to TVET, what's happened in Australia is that public policy has conceived of TAFE, the, te um, the public institution of VET in that country, technical and further education, as just one provider in a market, interchangeable with other providers, and that that's actually what makes it more competitive. Well, in actual fact, it's, it's taken TAFE to the brink, um, you know, and unless there's, going, unless there's serious reinvestment in TAFE, we have the danger that we'll end up with a residual system Mm. a residual public system that produces just-in-time training, just for now, rather than preparing people for their careers and for their lives. Mm -hmm. And so what we're arguing is that public institutions, TVET institutions, rather than being mistrusted, need to be highly trusted. And they need to be trusted as the local actors where mm. they work with their communities. So how does that happen? I mean, because you can... You know, if that market fundamentalism, I don't think, is disappearing. I don't yeah. think Scott Morrison in Australia yeah. is going to be, you know, thinking outside of market fundamentalism, outside of human capital theory, even if he might not use those words. No. You know? Well, that's, that's right. And the problem that we've got in Australia is that, um, so Scott Morrison is a conservative. Uh, he heads the conservative government. The problem that we've got in Australia is that the actual policy framework that's, that's gutted TAFE mm -hmm. was first developed by the Labor Party. Oh, my gosh. When, so when did that happen? In 2008. 
Okay, so, so that was um, so that was under, is, no. That we, well, what happened was that the, uh, Gillard was the um, Labor yeah. Prime Minister, and their whole policy, all education policy, was underpinned by human capital theory. They, their policy on early childhood education, right, three-year-olds um, and four-year-olds, in the first paragraph, it talks about investing in human capital. So, uh, so like, what's a human capital for? like a skill for a three-year-old colouring inside the lines? Well, God knows, you know, like, I mean, it was just so absurd, really, and, and just so reductive. So so we had a federal Labor government, but the um, the way that works in Australia is that it's a policy partnership between the state and the federal governments. And so it was the Victorian Labor government that first introduced the most marketised of policies. Oh, my God. And they led the way, right? Um, now, the difference between... Conservatives and Labor is that the Conservatives think that the public institution is by definition a problem because it believes in private enterprise, it believes in competition, um, and so it doesn't like public institutions. In contrast, the Labor Party doesn't hate TAFE, doesn't hate the public institution, but it wanted it to behave like a private provider right, and right. use the discipline of the market. Now, what happened in all the states where Labor was in government, they got thrown out of government, as happens, and conservative governments got elected, and they took these policies to their logical conclusion. And so we ended up in Victoria where TAFE went from having 70 or 80% of publicly funded education to 33% at its nadir. It's now above 40% because the um, Victorian new Labor government is trying to reinvest in it. And Labor recognised that its policy was fundamentally flawed and has taken TAFE to the brink. And it has committed in many states to to ensure that 70% of public funding goes to TAFE. So there is some sign that, that the market orthodoxy is being weakened and undermined, but it's still pretty strong. Yeah, yeah, I mean, and has a similar phenomenon happened in other countries where sort of the marketization or the privatization of TVET is occurring? Yes, so if we have a look at England, which is one of our other case studies, um, what you will see is that there has been massive cuts in funding over years as, you know, Mm. okay, so an absolute collapse in adult learning. Um, as a result of funding policies in colleges there. Mm. Um, so it's happening in, in, in many of the Anglophone um, systems. Mm. Yeah. And, I mean, when you think about this human or productive capabilities, as yeah. you're calling it, I, it seems as if this would actually be, it's a very complex understanding of what education is. Yes. And so I would imagine then translating that into public policy is actually quite hard. I mean, with human capital, it's very, very simple. Yeah. You know, it's this... GDP per capita or, you know, and it becomes what skills to match with the labor force. And it becomes a very simple policy solution. And I think that's probably one of the reasons human capital has become so dominant worldwide. So, you know, are there any examples of where TVET policy is actually, you know, more or less embodying some of these more complex notions of productive capabilities? So the problem for researchers is always how to translate um, research into policy. And that problem exists with this whole conceptual framework. But I think that we're getting there on this. I think, And I think that the report that we've done for 
Education International is a step forward because what we've done in that report is we've tried to say, um, in that report we focused on eight case studies and we tried to take one lesson from each case study about what TVET should be like or what TVET yeah. needs to put together a understandable and comprehensible uh, policy framework. But for me the main thing is to say you can't do this unless you have strong public TVET institutions. Right. So, so that's how I translate it into policy, is to talk about the role of the public institution and to talk about the role that public institutions play in local, regional, economic, social and cultural development. There's a lot of work that public TVET institutions have always done that is invisible. And unless you've worked in one, you don't know that it happens. Mm -hmm. You know, for example, I don't know a single director of a public TVET institution who's not on their local regional economic board or a single college where the senior management are not involved in the local um, community infrastructure or where the teachers aren't involved with their local communities, particularly the most disadvantaged communities. So this work happens, but it's not well understood. And it happens more so than um, higher education sort of generally, like a university system? Well, there is, of course, overlap between yeah. what public colleges do and what universities do, but there is a big difference. And what we, what one thing that we do have to try and do is articulate a mission for colleges that is different to what schools do mm. and different to what universities do. So one of the problems for TVET has been that it's always been defined residually right. as being what universities don't do and what schools don't do. But we argue there's stuff that they can do that universities and schools can't do. And one of those is that universities tend not to be as involved in local industries um, mm. as the college. The colleges have a much closer engagement with work in their areas. Universities tend to work at a higher level of abstraction right. and tend to have more of a um, national focus, although you do have many universities, of course, which have a regional focus. And universities do have close relations with work in areas where they teach regulated occupations like nursing, for example. But the colleges do that to a much greater extent. And what we think is that the colleges not only have a role in helping people become develop the knowledge and skills they need for their lives and for work, but they have a role in transforming work, which we don't think universities can do quite so well because they're closely involved. So, for example, just to give you an illustration, yeah. um, if we think about the teacher of the electrical trades apprentices, what they should be supported to do and develop the qualifications so they know how to do it is to take the insights from engineering and to think about how should that change the work of um, electrical apprentices in the next five years or in the next ten years and what should be the changes for curriculum as a result. Mm. Or another example would be aged care. What are the insights that research is producing on Alzheimer's? And how, how should the work of aged care workers change as a result of this new research? Now, the people who are doing the research on Alzheimer's don't have an intimate understanding mm. of what aged care workers do on a daily basis. The teachers in the college do. Right. So, so the teachers in the colleges should be the ones who are thinking about, well, he, here's what we now know that we didn't know before. So what does that mean for the way aged care workers do their work every day? 
Yeah. I mean, it's very unbelievably practical, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> yes. I mean, it's. Yes. I can imagine. I've been in aged care facilities, and yeah. I mean, you you see uh, so many people doing so many things to take care of. Yes. This aging population that many countries are now yes. experiencing. So, I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, that to me, that's an example that makes so much sense. Yes. And that is not a residual issue for Tibet. I mean, this is something they can. It's core. It's core, exactly. Yeah, yeah. and and we think that they um, that this so this is a form of applied research, mm. but it's not big R research, but it's the form of applied research that can drive innovation, right, and have huge impact. Yes, absolutely. Mm. And so we think in every area where TVET is working, that there that teachers are the ones who have a better understanding of what's happening in workplaces, in part because they come from those workplaces, right. So TVET teachers are usually people who've got experience working in the industry. So they're industry experts as well as expert teachers. So they have this dual professional identity. And because they come from that industry, they have good understanding of what happens, but they don't get the time or the resources that they need to undertake this role as effectively as they might. So what we think in terms of articulating a mission for the colleges is that they can develop, codify and institutionalise knowledge about the nature of work and how Mm. work should change in a way that universities can't do and that they can be part of a process of renewal of work Mm. and meaningful work and so we think that this is, this is what we're trying to do with this report, is to articulate the kinds of things that colleges can and should be funded and supported to do. It seems like it is a, it's, you know, one step in many more to come yes. in, in how to, to translate this conceptual framework into, yeah. you know, contextualized policy for different yes. countries and different regions within countries, I would imagine. That's right. And so the importance of TV institutions as being the local actor, Mm. as having agency as an institution about understanding what is it that their community needs, working in partnership with their communities. Now, TV institutions already do that, but what we're talking about is recognising that role, institutionalising that role and trusting them Mm. to be able to Mm. do that. At the moment, in many countries, colleges do that despite the policy frameworks and despite the funding mechanisms. So we're saying, in contrast, that that should be explicitly funded, explicitly recognised. And furthermore, that TVET's role in innovation and in transforming work should also be recognised. Well, Lisa Wheelahan, thank you so much for joining Fresh Ed. It really was a pleasure of talking today. A pleasure. Thank you. Lisa Wheelahan is professor at the University of Toronto. Her newest co-written report is Technical and Vocational Education and Training as a Framework for Social Justice. Today's episode was put together in collaboration with Education International. A transcript of today's interview can be found at freshedpodcast.com. Please note that opinions expressed on FreshEd are solely those of the host or the guest interviewed, not FreshEd, which takes no institutional position. If you've liked what you've heard today, please consider rating us on iTunes. It really does help. Fresh Ed's producers are Sherry Yang, Hong Zong, and Lushik Waba. Fatih Akhtas is our researcher, and Ing Jung Cho is our content developer. Original music for Fresh Ed was created by Digital Primate. Thanks for listening. 
I'm Will Brem, and I'll be back next week.